1: And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun.
0: Sign up now at
1: chumbacasino.com.
0: No purchase necessary. DTW Group, or prohibited by law. See Terms and
1: Conditions 18. Plus. On Florida's Space Coast, we think you can have the best of both worlds. Kind of like right now. Driving, at your desk, maybe at the gym, but you're also grooving to some music. Visit us and you'll go to the beach and see a rocket launch or go kayaking and manatee spotting. It's all waiting for you on the only beach that doubles as a launch pad. Plan your adventure today at visitspacecoast.com.
0: Hello everyone and welcome back to the Cricket Unfiltered podcast brought to you by News Corp. I'm your host Andrew Menzel, and joining me on the line from the World Cup on Wheels is cricket journalist and good friend of mine Gav Joshi. Gav, how are you?
1: I'm very well, Meners, and thanks for the kind introduction and a shout-out to World Cup on Wheels. And as we're speaking on the phone, I'm currently travelling in the World Cup on Wheels, and we've been to many different places, but good to talk to you.
0: It's great to hear from you. So uh, for the listeners that don't know, Gav and his good friend Barrett, another cricket journalist, have been driving around the UK following the World Cup. And, Gav, have you had a good time?
1: Oh, it's been fantastic, mate. I mean... It's funny, you know, I've seen your Twitter handle and you getting stuck into the ponds, but this country is not that bad, you know. I mean, of course, I don't want them to win the Ashes or the World Cup, but it really is. We've been to some of the remote places and met some wonderful people. So, look, it, it's been great, and I'll recommend it to anyone, you know, who comes to UK. Keep watching us and make sure, because it, it is a special place and fantastic, you know, so much history of just not about England, but about cricket as well.
0: Yeah, you've uh, been catching up with all types of people, and I want to ask you about that, but the reason I got you on the line, Gav, is because we are at the business end of the World Cup, and you have had an up-close and personal view of this Indian team, and I just want you to give me sort of a rundown of how do you think the Indian team are faring heading into the semi-finals, and... Yeah, well, let's start with that one.
1: Yeah, look, I mean, I, this loss of Shikha that one's a major blow to this Indian team. I mean, they were looking so good. at saw that game against Australia, we made that 100. But ever since he's not there at the top of the order, what's that resulted in is KL Rahul, who, you know, in his greatest problem was number four. And KL Rahul looked so good at four. Now he's been pushed up to open. And suddenly this batting looks far too dependent on two members, and that's Virat Kohli and Rohit Sharma. Yes, Sharma's been in exceptional form, but you just wonder, especially with Kedar Jadav at number six who hasn't made runs, a lot of criticism about the way Dhoni's gone about his business. So I think it's a very fragile middle order. The challenge is for India, if you can get through those top two, um, it, which is proving difficult, mind you, because Virat's got five half centuries and Rohit's got four centuries, but in between what's there, and I'm sure people are looking at that in the Indian team. That if we can knock one of those two guys early, it's going to put huge pressure on India heading into the semi-finals. I, think, I still think they have the the best bowling lineup going around. We know how good Boomer is, uh, but with the, the two wrist spinners and uh, they're, they're they're fantastic bowlers, and Shami also amongst the wickets. So A lot of depth in the bowling, but I think there's still a bit of an issue with. With that middle order.
0: Yeah, Rohit Sharma, four centuries in this World Cup. That's just unbelievable stuff from him.
1: Yeah, I mean, you just have to look back. I mean, the IPL man, he didn't look himself. He was struggling. It might have been just, he wasn't fresh enough. He had a couple of weeks off. He went with his family members, went off to Mauritius and probably... having the ocean around him and suddenly he feels so motivated and he has been dropped four out of those 500s, uh, sorry, four times when he's made those 100s. So a bit of luck going and he's had a bit of fortune, but geez, you have to be a good player. I think Kumar Sangakara did it in 2015 World Cup, four centuries and Rohit's doing it and don't forget India could possibly have three more games to play, so he could break the record. But look, he's the foundation. I mean, Virat's there, but this is clearly being Rohit Sharma's World Cup.
0: So India could possibly. Face uh, England in the semi-finals if Australia were to beat South Africa. Do you think India would have any preferences to who they might face in the semi-finals? Because England gave them a real um, thrashing on the weekend. So uh, I don't know if India would be too confident.
1: No, that's that's a very good point, and, and I mean it could come down to the pitch, right? I mean we all know if it's a benign flat pitch, I mean. As difficult as it is for an Australian to say, England are the best team to go around on a on a belt or up a track because they've just got so much depth and hitting prowess. But if the weather changes, uh, it is a slightly you know an edge baston's known to take a bit of spin as well. We could have. Well, I don't think India will actually mind playing England because you know those slow slow pitches, or even if the pitch against Australia, which had a bit of movement, and you see England been caught napping. I mean, of course, I think India would deep down want would, to would, would play New Zealand rather than England. I don't think it, this Indian team led by Coley looks at the games that way on who they would prefer to play. And let's think about it. And England probably played an absolute perfect game. And India were right into the contest until the last five overs. So I think that that will be drilled into them. Um, so I, I don't think they'll have that mindset. Of course, even if the game will be played in Birmingham against England mind you, 90% of the supporters will be in. will be Indian. So it's not like they'll be playing away from home anyway.
0: Yeah, there's been a lot of uh, support for, for India, hasn't there?
1: Oh, it's been exceptional. I mean, most of the grounds have been filled to the rafters. I mean, just, just look for demands for tickets. I mean, I, I saw a guy right in front of me, you know, hand over a, a, a ticket for the India-Pakistan match for £750. I mean, and even the game, I mean, you look at the, it game against Sri Lanka that India playing, it's a dead rubber, it's in Leeds, it's going to have really no impact on where India sort of finish, Uh, but, but, you know, that game's been packed out, people are still demanding tickets, uh, when traditionally in the World Cup or any other team, uh, people might have lost interest, because it it is a bit of a dead rubber, but it doesn't happen, and fans come from all the way, I've met an Indian couple who come from all the way from, you know, from Malta, to Mauritius, to America, to Canada, um, and that's just the, the funny little fact was, man, is the India-Pakistan match, 25% of the crowd had actually flown in to England just to watch that game. So it's, it's remarkable where all the Indian fans come from.
0: I remember for the World Cup semifinal in Sydney in 2015, a lot of Indian fans flew into Sydney from the west coast of America because it was basically one flight to a World Cup semi-final. so there was a lot of tourists there. But, uh, Gav, you've seen all these, these teams up close that are in the semis now, Australia, England, India and New Zealand. Who do you like? Who do yep. you think could go on and, and lift the title from here?
1: Look, I'm going to sit on the fence slightly and you know talk a little bit tactical i think if we get the weather what we've had in the past month uh, for the past week and it, and the pitches are very benign and flat i think england is still the team to beat i think they've got the combination right having jason roy at the top of the orders major boost who they play well you know if they play against india in the semi-finals flat track i think they'll beat them which means it could be an Australia and England final. And if it is, then, well, you never know how England were going to go if they need to chase even a score of 280. So I'm, I'm heading towards sort of an England-Australia final manners, and the pitch could dictate who actually goes on to win that match. Uh, but right now, I've said it for all along, I think England will be the world champions. They've had a bit of a glitch but I think they're firing at the right time. So England-Australia final, and as hard as it's to say, I think England might just win the World Cup. Thanks, mate.
0: Nice. That was Owen Morgan. I've got a new soundboard where I can just drop little sound drops in, Gav, so I'm going to have a bit of fun. (laughs) (laughs) So that's a big call. Uh, Now, Gav, tell me, you've seen a lot of matches in this World Cup. What have been some of the on-field highlights so far?
1: Well, it's a good question, Menace. I mean, I, I... one of the matches of the World Cup I really enjoyed was the Pakistan-Afghanistan match and how close it was. Um, some of the, I mean, Rohit Sharma, we sort of touched on it and how well he's gone uh, and how easy he's made bat- batting look. But look, I, it, it's hard to go past someone like a red Bumrah and a Mitchell Stark. I mean, you just watch these guys and teams just can plan as much as they can, practice as much as they can. But these guys are so meticulous in the way they go about their business. I mean... Mitchell Stark, we we know a Yorker's on his way. We know Boomer going to bowl a Yorker, but they still seem to get better off the batsman. I mean, I've just enjoyed that. It goes to regardless of you know how well you're planning for a game of cricket, it's all about execution. And Boomer and Stark are, are just the best in business. I mean, look, if it is an India Australia final, it could this could be the contest we talk about. Could be against Warner against Rohit or Virat against Finch, but. It could be who has a better day between, you know, a Boomerang and a Stark because they're, they're really great to watch. I mean, the leg spinners, to me, surprisingly, haven't been into the World Cup as much as we all expected. Uh, but clearly, these two fast bowlers, uh, it's been a treat to watch them.
0: Yeah, it's been a World Cup for opening batsmen and opening bowlers so far.
1: Yeah, most. I mean, you just look at Australia, I mean, Five or six opening uh, partnerships that have virtually, basically laid the platform for the rest of the middle order. Um, India's pretty much the same. Uh, if you just look at England last two innings uh, in games when they've come good. Roy uh, reinstated at the top with Besho have made a huge difference. Um, and and teams which you know, don't quite have that top order. And that's I think my concern with New Zealand is the fourth semi-final team, uh, where you've got you've got Munro or they've got Henry Nichols in and. And Martin Guptill, who's an exceptional one-day player, but hasn't really made runs. And it's too much pressure on likes of Williamson and Taylor. So uh, it, it certainly has. And a lot of the opening bowlers, I mean, you just look at Stark. I was just looking deeply into the stats. He's not striking much with the new ball, but it's his second and third and, of course, his final spells that he's so lethal and he's, he's almost impossible to hit and he just keeps getting those wickets.
0: I was just looking deeply into the stats. One of the great Gav quotes. Uh, Now tell me, from my point of view, I think it's been very disappointing that teams like, especially the West Indies and South Africa, weren't able to be a bit more competitive because if they had been and if they'd been able to win the odd game, I think would have a little bit more of a tussle for the semi-final spots rather than this sort of run of dead rubbers.
1: I totally agree. I keep harping on about this game, Australia-West Indies. I mean, here were Australia in you know, a five down for not many on the board. Uh, and Nathan, a L- good L- denial, L- tees off. Then you know, even in the run chase, West Indies were really well poised. Uh, there's a run out. Um, and, and then after that, West Indies just haven't been the same. I mean, imagine if West Indies did manage to beat Australia, they would have been top of the ladder because they... Steamroll Pakistan at the start of the World Cup uh, and it, things could have been totally different so I mean it, that's that's been the big disappointing thing. South Africa look I, I, I've just had my doubts over South Africa heading into the World Cup. I don't think they're anywhere close to what they were four years ago or even the team that sort of beat Australia you know just, just at the start of the summer last year so I think that's been very disappointing but that's just a and Pakistan I mean how do you lose a game, you know, inside 16 overs against the West Indies? If their net run rate was good, then the contest tomorrow between Pakistan and Bangladesh could prove as another quarter final, and they could have been able to bundle New Zealand out. So disappointing from some of these teams, but that's just the nature of World Cup. To be frank, I- I've enjoyed this; every team playing against each other. I, I think it works. Yes, the, maybe they look need to shorten the. The tournament um, because you, they can have two matches in a day, but but uh, I think I think it's a right format. But yeah, disappointing for at least a, a couple of those teams.
0: Yeah, I don't think it is the right format, Gav. I think they need to split it into two groups of seven and have fourteen teams there, and you have two groups of seven round robin, and then you go quarters, semis, final. But...
1: Yeah, well, Aaron Finch made a good good. good uh, point about that he said we uh, was asked about the format recently and he basically said well well we won the world cup la- last time around but we never managed to play south africa who in fairness was you know one of the other best teams going around so i think there's a there'll be a sense of satisfaction for a team this this time around that whoever wins the world cup that they've got there by having to play every single team the look it, it, it's the great debate isn't it i i mean i, I think there's still those teams need, certainly need to be there for the, the T20 format. I think that's their greatest chance of creating these upsets and or they'll just continue to get better because a lot of those players, uh, whether that's you know West Indies, Afghanistan, Ireland, they seem to be exposed to T20 cricket. It's always harder to win the longer any sport, the duration of the sport. So uh, we'll have to see. I mean, for now, ICC is still sticking to the 10-team policy for the next World Cup, but I'm way minutes.
0: Yeah, we'll have to wait and see. Uh, Gav, uh, so before I let you go, you're on the road now heading to what, uh, Manchester for Australia v South Africa?
1: Yeah, we're just taking a bit of a detour for a We're going up to uh, the Lake District and um, in the county of Cumbria, where, of course, Ben Stokes comes from. So we might find some little details on how, how he's... Re- You know, preparing for the Ashes, maybe he's got some different tactics that (laughs) we know what Ben Stokes can get up to. So, um, a slight deviation, but then back down to Manchester to watch the Australia's last game before the semis.
0: Well, Gav, it sounds fantastic, but, you know, I'm just a bit worried about some of the guests you've been getting on. So, you know, I saw you had Joe Root's grandfather (laughs) on. Like, was everybody else unavailable?
1: Mate, if you want to find out the real truth about cricketers, you've got to go deep down and speak to the guys who have been around them for a long time. I mean, who knows who knows Joe Root better than, I guess, his father, his mother his family. I mean, yes, he's been around the coaching staff and been around England, but these are the guys who tell you a lot about personalities and these personalities are not quite what we see on, on television sets and, and while hitting the ball, so um look it's it it, there's lots of people you want to meet them and it's not about the superstar culture you know how we are men we're not we're not in fancy cars and we're not in on trains and planes we've just got a camper van and struggling on campsites so that's why we got to get these sorts of guests they fit into our budget a little bit more menace
0: I understand Sam Landsberger, News Corp reporter, has been living it up in hotels and, you know, he's got a roof over <laughs> his head and he's got a warm bed and he's talking to the players. But seriously, what was Joe Root's grandfather like? Is he still sharp as attack?
1: Oh, mate, he's extremely sharp. I mean, it was funny because one of the questions I said, sir, your grandson's clearly the best batsman you've seen. And he said, no, no, hold that thought. 1948, I saw the greatest batsman of all. I was 13 years of age and it was sir Don Bradman, so... You know, all those stories and, and and he described how it was, you know, when the old Australian tours were coming to England, how he'd watched the likes of, you know, Neil Harvey and, and Bradman. And, and, and then, he you know, he's very sharp. He, he goes and watches Joe. He, he wants to go to South Africa when England are touring. He was down in Australia for the Ashes last year. So, uh, look, it, it's fantastic. And just, you know, what Joe was like as a kid when he used to, to have a low score that way, he would say, well, Joe, that wasn't a good shot. And before he completed this sentence, Joe Root already had his earphones on and said, Granddad, I don't want to talk to you today. So <laughs> it just defines how these characters are. And he uh, got down the road from Joe Root and uh, and how he is and how involved he is with the cricket club down there. And, and he's sharp. He knows exactly what to do when Joe Root's out on strike and uh, watching. Uh, and he's got someone like Josh Butler at the other end. And here he is. He's saying, come on, Joseph. Give him the strike. The power hitting's not your game. So clearly understands the game really well. So it's terrific to have all these people and speak to them and to find out the real personalities of of all these cricketers.
0: Yeah, another thing I enjoyed watching was uh, when you gave Mel Jones, a fantastic commentator for Fox Sports in the World Cup, you gave her a lift somewhere during the World Cup. But I have heard that she's had to undergo a few extra therapy sessions after the trip. So how was it?
1: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, she, well, she's she been here. Look, we've had plenty of, you know, we've put out the offer and good on Mel. She was the only one who did, kindly took up the offer three and a half hours with me and Bharat, of course. I mean, they've got a bit in common. I mean, uh, but of course a huge West Indian fan and he knows everything about West Indian cricket and then talked about women's cricket um, it was fantastic and actually it was good because she was doing a bit of navigating while I could just relax at the back minute so it um, mm-hmm. look fun times um, no it's not often you know you get a, a commentator and you can sit back and just relax and have a good chat and, and it's just not about cricket it's about her journeys through England of course as well so um look it, yeah it was it was a lot of fun and while your podcast is so big, Menas, I mean, there are a few people out there listening to it and former cricketers and commentators, and I urge them, we're still around for 10 days, Menas. If they want to ride from Manchester to Birmingham not <laughs> to London, we're open.
0: Yeah, I agree. Anyone out there that wants to get on the World Cup on wheels, do it because it'll be like the magical mystery tour of cricket. Uh, you'll, you'll, you'll 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 never be the same once you've done it. Well, Gav, uh, thanks so much for taking some time out of your busy schedule to, to come on the podcast. Uh, it's a big call. You've got England as favourites now to win the World Cup, and uh, you've seen as much as this World Cup of anyone. So I reckon it's a pretty good tip.
1: Thanks, man. It's always a pleasure talking to you and having and you know listening to you, your voice again after so long and talking about cricket um, and good luck. And, well, while England might just do it, I mean, of course, it would be nice to see the Aussies claim the sixth World Cup title.
0: All right, Gav, take care and good luck finding Ben Stokes' relatives.
1: I thought about relatives, found some coaches as well, but <laughs> no worries.
0: <laughs> Thanks, Gav. That was Gav Joshi, and you can find the World Cup on Wheels on YouTube. Well, that's it for this edition of Cricket Unfiltered. You can keep up with all the action at the World Cup at dailytelegraph.com.au. I've been your host, Andrew Mentzel. You've been listening to News Corp's Cricket Unfiltered. Back soon with another podcast. Sports Social Podcast Network.